We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time for a new edition of the Dynasty Reanimators here on Rotoviz Overtime. Sean, we haven't got to dip into one of these for a while as we dive into some of the biggest questions in, in fantasy and, and mainly on the Dynasty side. We obviously took over an orphan team at the FFPC last season. We unfortunately did not bring home that championship. We had a good run to start it out. The Justin Jefferson injury kind of derailed some of the, the plans over there. But we are looking forward to that team this season. We'll talk about our moves throughout the offseason. But that has inspired and i think that series sean inspired a lot of people who listen into road of his ot and the the road of his community to jump over there to the ffpc and buy up some orphans themselves we're going to talk about a team in a moment that was bought for one dollar sean one dollar orphan team that has been turned around stripped down and they're waiting to see what our advice for the next steps of that rebuild would be to get it into championship contention so we're going to have that one in a moment we're going to talk through a lot of players and the second team which i think is going to be interesting because there's a number of players in it both ascending in value and descending in value and maybe what our thoughts are for 2024 if those moves should be made or not made will help out the road of his listeners here as we get through those two questions we are recording this one on thursday the 8th of february if you're listening to this i am currently probably sean and lanzarote if you're listening to it next weekend i will be already back in ireland but spending a week on travels with the family post super bowl this will be the first time sean i think i've ever been away while the super bowl is happening so we are getting some content recorded ahead of that to bring you next week and sean bonus note for the listeners it's going to be too late for them to find this out my birthday 9th of february but it has already passed so no need to uh, wish me a belated birthday if you are listening in at this time but uh yeah so we're going to talk through some of the dynasty stuff i'm excited for this stuff you know the conversation we had last week when we had mike brody on we talked through some of the strategies for early 2024 from a redraft perspective we're going to be opening up here for some of the dynasty side and kind of fresh discussions that i feel are very vital at this point of the season but also kind of i don't know i i just enjoy talking through them at this point because a lot of it is strategy based and kind of philosophy based um as we you know head towards the nfl draft so sean dynasty conversations today you ready for it I am. As you mentioned, 
I mean, Dynasty is just so much fun. Looking at these questions that we have here and thinking through how you would build these rosters up into single-year champions and then dynasties and then arguably empires. So much fun to think through. And these teams that we're looking at are in the middle of that process, and yet they've already made some huge jumps, and they've set the stage. And so partly what we're looking at today is you know how you go from that one dollar orphan to where the teams are now but then you know how do you do the next phase of the rebuild that's specifically the question that we have from matt today and it's a really cool good question you mentioned that he got the one dollar orphan and right now the ffpc has lots of dynasty teams of all flavors we talk about one of the great things about the road of his triflex leagues over at the FFPC, number one, the format just absolutely awesome. But number two, you have a lot of different opportunities right now. If you're anxious to add a team, you don't have to wait for the startups. You can grab an orphan. They have a variety of different marketplaces that you can choose from, but also call them a variety of different types of teams. Obviously, the $1 teams in most cases are going to be bad. They're going to be multi-year rebuilds. Some of the teams are actually borderline championship contenders. The team that you and I took over I mean, it was it was ready to compete. And so that was one of the things that was sort of fun for us. Invalidate some of the ideas of the reanimator because, again, the team was already pretty good. But, you know, if you're thinking that you're going to only have, you know, tear it all the way down to the studs types of teams, that's not the case, right? So I'm not encouraging any specific type, but just saying you have variety. If you want to buy a championship team, there are some opportunities to do that. Colin, this team right here, is really cool because it started with a team that didn't have any selections in the 2023 draft. The only QB was Russell Wilson. The only quality players on the whole roster were Stephon Diggs and Travis Kelsey. And, you know, especially in the aftermath of 2023, it's easy to see why those would be players that you wanted to get rid of as soon as possible because those are players where it's not even that the player himself is necessarily declining, but those assets are going to get weaker and weaker. You have an offseason like Kelsey. You have a very slow second half of the year, especially with Stefan Diggs' personality, where anytime that he has a, a slow couple of weeks column, you know, you're worried about what outbursts might happen. So you're going to try to move on from those. And in the very short term, this manager was able to you know, build some pieces in. And one of the things that I do like about this when we're looking at a super flex roster is that there are some QBs recently traded the 210 for Daniel Jones. I think that's a very savvy move. And that's understanding that obviously Daniel Jones could, you know, basically not play again at the NFL level. I don't think that that's likely, but his range of outcomes very wide in that if he has any issues as he tries to recover this season if he doesn't have a starting job in 2024 then that starting job might not materialize for years but you have daniel jones you've got mac jones you have sam howell will levis and aiden mcconnell and then one of the things that actually happened as column you and matt were chatting about this is that he was able to move levis and a couple of second round picks so the second round picks not throws i should say the 202 which is a very meaningful pick in superflex and the 307 for Geno Smith and the 104. Now the 104 is a, a huge pick. Nothing in the Will Levis range should bring back anything like this. 
my feeling about it, and again, I mean, we're all coming in with these prior ideas about what the quarterback is like. But my feeling is that Will Levis is less likely to be a starting quarterback in the future than Sam Howell and Mac Jones. He didn't have the collegiate profile. We had Stefan Lacoe, who's done you know, some really cool stuff on the road of his radio airwaves relating to college football. I mean, he wrote up Levis right before the season started last year talking about how, I mean, this guy was a bad college quarterback. And so the fact that you're able to make this move is absolutely huge. Geno Smith, somebody I also think may not be a starter next year. And that's one of the reasons why he would be available almost as a throw in on this. I do think the Seahawks will explore possibilities to upgrade the quarterback position, even with the contract. So one of the things when you move for a Daniel Jones and you move for a Geno Smith, partly you're hoping that the contract status gets them more opportunities and then you get the opportunities and you flourish. Flip side of that is that the only reason these guys are available is there is some risk to their starting jobs and just that they're probably not going to score you that many points even when they're in the lineup. Now, Daniel Jones hybrid ability gives you more of that. McCall, set the stage for some of the other things that Matt has done here with this particular team as he then looks to, again, as we say, take the next phase, the next step in the rebuild. Yeah, and the one thing I want to shout out to both of the people who have sent in questions here today, one thing that we do get on these, you know, sometimes there's questions that are asked without much context. That does not happen here on Rotoviz OT. The emails that come in have so much detail to give you the clearer picture. So Sean has kind of set it up. This team that was purchased $1 off in last May, and he has basically turned over the entire roster. But Sean mentioned the quarterbacks. The wide receivers now are Bateman, Dobbs, Josh Downs, Michael Wilson, Marvin Mims, Jonathan Mingo. He does mention his best running back is Ty Chandler, which he says tells you all you need to know about that position. His tight ends are Trey McBride, Tucker Craft, Noah Fant, and Greg Dulcich. Dulcich's been somebody that I kind of forced Sean to draft in a, a recent underdog draft which I, I still hold out hope that that's going to turn around for him he mentioned that he was actually fortunate that somebody dropped mcbride mid-season and he was able to scoop him up now obviously that would be the early point of the season but sometimes with cut downs waiver pickups you never know what's going to happen and obviously mcbride has really flourished in that second half of the season he now going from basically having no picks for the rookie draft last year has 14 picks in 2022 or 2024 sorry plus all his 2025s is the 103 the 106 the 202 the 203 the 212 plus seven more picks in rounds three four and five so lots of options not just for you know picking players but also making moves up the draft board potentially uh, he said anyway here's his question the teardown is the easy part now that i have mostly a blank canvas and a bunch of picks you mentioned too many to use all this year for sure given the 20-man rosters he said what is your high level advice for the next phase of the rebuild so i think this is very interesting because we kind of talk about if you are you know starting a team that needs to rebuild or if you're in a team that is a contender what to do we talk about perpetual reloading trying to keep that window open and open so once you get to this point you're trying to set yourself up that the team can contend and then can continue to you know reinvest and, and re reanimate i guess into a juggernaut as sean mentioned an empire sean that's a you know empire is a is a big one to be building out there but he mentioned it's highly unlikely that he would win the league in 2024 but he'd love to be in the mix for that first round by in 2025 he mentions as well that he's uh eager to hear our thoughts on the 2024 prospects as the offseason continues but sean the team is set up here in a an interesting spot because it feels like you can go in so many directions but the key in this point is that he has torn the team down that he has 
some talented players remaining on the roster and that he also has a lot of picks to really kickstart what he wants to do here moving forward. I guess, you know, the conversation will be around using these picks in the potential rookie draft, but there also is like the trade for a Daniel Jones and like the team we might talk about in the second half of the show, there is going to be veterans, second year players, third year players, maybe who have maybe underperformed that could be bought at this time. So there's lots of ways to attack it. What are your opening thoughts here for Matt in terms of how the build should ascend from this point? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether that is friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. I think sometimes the biggest challenge for me is the relationship with myself. That is something that I have worked on with my therapist at BetterHelp over the course of the last 12 months that I have found be very beneficial. The main ones of those being learning positive coping skills to empower myself to be able to deal with certain situations in better ways than I was previously. I mentioned that relationship with myself, having the therapy, having a therapy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed and having the opportunity to discuss those things has helped me start 2024 with a more positive version of myself than in previous years if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not visit betterhelp.com slash rotoviz today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash rotoviz. Yeah, and so you have generated a lot of picks and you're trying to figure out how you can get the most value out of that and also maintain the most flexibility. So he mentions probably not winning the league in 2024, but wants to be in the mix for the first round buy in 2025. One of the things that could happen very easily here is that Matt would miss the playoffs again in 2024, but win the backdraw and have the 101, which would then further launch this team. A lot of it's going to come down to what happens at the quarterback position and can you maintain that flexibility while you also manage the total number of roster spots. So this team has the 103, the 104, the 106, and the 203 after this most recent trade. He mentions he thinks there are seven elite prospects in this draft. 
One of the things that's been a lot of fun, I've been spending the last week writing up a lot of the blurbs for the Road of His Rookie Guide. We are going to have that available. We've discussed some different ways we might do it, but we decided that we did want to stick with the guide, which has been so much fun for us. So Curtis, Dave, uh, Blair, and I have been working on that part. I do think that that is an accurate way to look at it. It'll be interesting to compare and contrast some of the guys after the combine. Who's moving up? Who has the athleticism to support their production we also have this weird dynamic where number one some of the things that have been such huge differentiating elements in the past have been a little bit less so recently and you specifically look at what happened with the rookies in 2023 and so what i'm speaking of here a lot of frequent listeners i'm sure can guess but you're thinking about things like declaring early like breaking out early like that final season and how much of the value comes from there some of the younger guys the earlier breakouts were among the least impressive in 2023 some of the older players some of the one-year wonders actually did extremely well this most recent season in some ways that's obviously going to be a one-off we do want to continue to think though about how certain events in the world may have even shaped part of these classes so one of the things as you go through when you look at where these guys came in as recruits and then how their careers developed you know player after player after player you see that in the pandemic season when they would have been freshmen that it was just very different and the contributions were very low and then as a result some of those guys are not as ready to declare early so it's almost as though the 2020 recruits and the 2021 recruits on a more level playing field than you would consider for most other years again in a lot of ways that's fairly straightforward (laughs) all of us lived through that unfortunate recent past and understand how the pandemic impacted so many different parts of life so having said that though it'll be interesting to see like how some of these guys who were in the explosive offenses and you think about a player like a troy franklin who was a top recruit and put up big numbers in the explosive oregon offense this past year versus someone like Rome and you know all of Ben's guys there at Washington who again are in that other extremely explosive offense what do you do with the Washington guys what do you do with the Oregon guys it's certainly I think six right where you have the three quarterbacks you have the two superstar wide receivers and then you have Brock Bowers who in all likelihood is a generational tight end and i mean sam laporta has really kind of reset what we can realistically think of as expectations for rookie tight ends even with where he is as a prospect we wouldn't necessarily expect powers to come in and do that but we know that the wide receivers have been able to come in and make impacts we know that the tight ends in 2023 were able to come in and make impacts so these guys could very quickly change rosters around if you think about it from the perspective of if i can show patience through 2024 and then i have another wave of these guys also in 2025 by the time i'm hitting mid-season in 2025 i will have the best team now injuries can happen and one of the things that we have definitely seen over the past couple of seasons is that injuries have been very definitive in terms of the shape of dynasty teams as they go down the stretch you mentioned ours. I don't think that we can necessarily blame our playoff loss on Justin Jefferson's injury. I mean, you know, you got to win when you're in the playoffs, and we didn't do it. But when you build these young teams, 
And when you build deep teams, you have some more flexibility and you're not so dependent on having your one-year thesis hit. So from that perspective, I think the 103, the 104, the 106, he's going to get three guys that are going to be foundation players for this team. And then column, it kind of throws us back to this question of how do you build at the quarterback position? And I think especially for OT listeners, it's very relevant when you hear names like Sam Howell and Mac Jones on these rosters, because in the triflex leagues, these are going to be specifically the guys who are the trickiest. I'm doing a team with Bjorn and Bjorn, you know, super sharp fantasy mind. He's written some really cool stuff for Rotoviz. I encourage all the listeners to check him out. Our team has those guys and also has the 105, the 106. It's absolutely loaded other than the fact that you really needed those QBs to have a better outlook for 2024. And so one of the things that I would recommend here is patience if you can have patience, right? And again, the 20 roster spot cut down is going to be an issue. Colin, one of the things I do think is interesting here is how some of these teams that are not in the mix for the top QBs, how they go ahead and address that. So one of the things that I'm thinking about as I'm writing the blurbs, it becomes obvious that from an actual production perspective drake may who's expected to obviously be one of the very top picks in the draft his best season similar a little bit worse than sam howell's best season in college you think about someone like tua who blew up when he gets actual quality coaching at the nfl level his seasons there at alabama similar to or I shouldn't say slightly, very similar to the season that Mac Jones has when he wins the national title. Is there a possibility for Jones to have a similar metamorphosis when he gets good coaching? And it's certainly a question of if that will happen, but I'm specifically thinking of a couple of teams and we had, we've had several OT listeners reach out, I should say. And I want to mention that again, if you listen to the show, you want to write for the site, let us know. It doesn't mean that that will always work out. But Colin, we've had a couple of cool articles now from Kevin. We're going to potentially have some really great stuff from Jay. Looking forward to what those guys do. Kevin's first article looks at the Minnesota Vikings. And my expectation there would be that they resign Kirk Cousins and you have an emerging defense, a defense that played a lot better in 2023. And then you have those weapons in Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. TJ Hawkinson, as he recovers from injury, you go and you kind of jump back over this Detroit Lions. You know, that's hard for me to say. I hope that doesn't happen as a reality fan, but I don't necessarily think the Vikings are that far away. However, and Kevin addresses all of those different possibilities in his article. However, one of the things that you are hearing at the broader NFL level is that maybe that won't be a good fit. And if you're the Vikings and you don't re-sign Cousins, then, I mean, you have some real questions about what you're going to do. We saw the struggles that they had as they mixed in a variety of backup caliber players. Now, one of the things you have to like about what they did compared to what the Jets did is they were aggressive with that. And they tried some guys out. They made a trade. I mean, they tried to address this QB position as opposed to just capitulating on the season. I think they're going to be aggressive again. 
you look at some guys who would fit what they need, who might be available very inexpensively. I mean, Mac Jones in the dome with those weapons, that would be pretty interesting. The same thing I think is true for Sam Howell. The other team that again is in this situation where they're probably not going to have huge resources that they can realistically spend at the QB position when you have to deal with the cataclysmic fallout of the Russell Wilson contract is going to be the Denver Broncos. And I bring those two teams up because they do have weapons and they have coaching staffs that in the right situation could really unlock a guy. Now, am I saying I think either of those scenarios are extremely likely? I don't necessarily, but it's also the question of, you know, how are these teams going to address the position? Because you think about other options like a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Ryan Tannehill, those are probably lower upside and shorter term solutions. You think about the next wave of QBs and you're essentially looking at these teams who were elite in college football last year. And yet there are questions about their guys at the NFL level. Where does Bo Nix go? Where does Michael Penix go? Where does J.J. McCarthy go? Are teams going to consider what they did while surrounded by these elite weapons, these elite overall rosters? Are they going to consider the arcs of those careers to be good enough to restart their franchise behind those guys? Because at some point, you do actually have to address the position. And we don't know yet how that's going to happen, but there are opportunities for players like a Mac Jones and a Sam Hell who actually have better resumes than some of the names bandied about and still have this potential upside after they were mired in pretty questionable situations. I would say Mac Jones, probably the worst situation in the entire NFL, Sam Howell, a little bit more mixed, right? And you think about his offensive coordinator and, you know, really still so many questions about Eric Bieniemy and where the NFL is going to go with him what the opportunities are going to be and this discussion again is within the context of flexibility and trying to create some value out of these players who hopefully didn't cost you very much I mean, one of the reasons they're on the roster in the first place is that they weren't prohibitively expensive but it's also understanding that you might have to flat out cut these guys so we're not saying make them huge priorities we're not saying hold on to them for all that they're worth. You've got to be realistic about the future outcomes, but you also want to keep in mind where an upside scenario might still be for some of these young players who have a lot of talent. Yeah, and the other part is those players are obviously younger. So you mentioned the likes of Tannehill, much older. By the time this team is probably ready, that ship has it probably already has sailed, but it definitely will have sailed at that point in time. The question I would have probably to follow up on that is obviously we've talked there about the draft and the players you could take in the rookie draft he's mentioned already maybe too many picks this year to actually get them onto that 20-man roster come cut down point so there is the possibility to bundle them up and move up in the draft for example but there's also the possibility to you know as we get closer and usually the pick is never worth more than when you're on the clock but there may be some people who really get an appetite as draft season approaches the combine the draft itself the landing spot as to where people might pay for that 106 or that 103 at that particular time and you may be able to acquire veteran talent with that type of pick but also maybe the later picks obviously the daniel jones example being one of them daniel jones is probably right on the line where i would do this but is there a cutoff for you in terms of if you think that you're not going to be competitive this year 
what what is the age window are you thinking like the player should be 25 or under we're always talking about with perpetual reload and trying to play that player for two or three years and then move on from it or are you just trying to get the best players you can for the best you know we're just focusing on the age profile the skills and trying to get the same players that you would regardless but then in two years you're still going to move on from them for whatever you can get at that particular point yeah so this roster is in the portion of the build where it's very much about trying to create as much total value as possible not as worried about the actual profile of the players on the team now you always want to get younger but you do find opportunities at points especially when you're not there yet where there'll be other managers in your league who are willing to overpay for youth even more and so you think about some guys who have you know a really wide range of outcomes as well i mean that's what this roster is about and that's smart right but you look at michael wilson you look at marvin mims you look at jonathan mingo and because those guys are rookies coming off of years where the context in the offenses didn't support immediate breakouts but there still is reason to believe that there's something there i mean wilson was invisible most of the season but then he has a couple of these games where he looks like a huge red zone threat marvin mims we talked about him at length during last year's prospect season i mean probably again purely from a profile perspective the second or third best guy in last year's draft now he's fallen well below that but if they create more of an opportunity for him and move to a quarterback who could unlock him which is the direction they obviously want to go it's much more a question of is it even possible with the situation that denver has created there mims is a guy that i would try and hold on to but the bust potential is super high so if someone is willing to overpay for him go ahead and move on right i mean you're going to be willing to sell some of the same guys that you're trying to buy in other circumstances jonathan mingo i thought was overvalued as a prospect he didn't look good last season bryce young desperately needed him to be more of an impact player the guys around him in terms of adam thielen and dj chark you know probably mostly done and yet he didn't look good but because he also could be their wide receiver one this next year i mean he should be somebody that you can sell and so all of those guys despite being second year players if there are other managers in your league who are willing to overvalue them or value them in a way that helps you address some of your other needs then go ahead and move them and one of the things with this particular roster is that it's not so loaded with players that you're actually needing to trade players into picks it's one of the reasons why this team should be able to actually hold mac jones and sam howell where a lot of our listeners are going to be like well i mean i'd love to hold those guys but i simply can't right they're too far down my you know overall ranking of player to even see what they're going to do in the future and that's one of the elements where you know if you have any frustration with the road of this triflex leagues it would simply be that it does force you to be active right you can't just sit on guys like a mac jones and, and a sam howell and if you love those guys that part is hard but again i mean when they don't when they don't perform you, you have to go in a different direction so that's what i would be looking at with the young players and then you made great points about the picks i do think that the picks tend to continue to gain value and yet again there are going to be these unique moments where there are going to be some managers who have bought an orphan in the league and want to move their team around there are going to be some managers who just 
you know, desperately want to be active right now and will pay more. I mean, we've all been in that situation where you've got like the 207 and you're thinking the 207 is going to be worth a lot. And when I get on the clock, I'll be able to move it for a next year's second round pick and third round pick, and maybe even a deep bench player for that one pick, because there are going to be multiple managers in the league who have a guy they really want right there. And he's fallen from the, say the 202 to the 207. And that manager thought the person should have been like the 108. So they're thinking they're getting a 108 at the 207 and they're going to pay a little bit more like that. You want to be ready for that, but you also want to understand that in some drafts, you're going to get to that 207. And one of the reasons you're willing to move off of it is that the players you wanted went at 204, 205, 206, and the other managers can see that and they know you want out and they're going to force you to sell it for maybe less than it's worth. Maybe they're going to force you to sell it for next year's round two pick, which means you have the entire time discount and that pick could end up being like next year's 210, 211. So if you get the right offer now, don't force yourself to wait, create the flexibility, get the deal done. There's a little bit of a bird in the hand element to it where if someone offers you a fair trade, don't be so greedy that you wait and you stick yourself with something you didn't want later on. Yeah, that's really good advice and a great question coming in from Matt. Hopefully that has helped with some of the questions he may have had. We'll see how now over the you know the the course of the rest of the season, if anyone wants to, if he wants to share some more details of the moves, he is in heavy trade mode. So we always like to see what those teams are doing. The next question comes in from JD. This is a Superflex Dynasty roster. The entire roster at the moment of quarterback is Lamar Jackson, Sam Howell, Trey Lance, Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, Jaron Hall, tight end is Sam Laporta, Kyle Pitts, Greg Dulcich, Chega Conquo, running back Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, Devin Achen, Keaton Mitchell, Jordan Mason, Eric Gray, and then at wide receiver it is Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, Safe Flowers, Jordan Addison, Jahan Dodson, Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, Marvin Mims, Demario Douglas, and Trey Palmer. That leaves a kind of starting roster, Sean, if we look at it before looking at the rest of the depth. Lamar Jackson, Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, Sam Laporta, Devin Achan, and then we get Zay Flowers, super flex spot being Jordan Addison due to depth at quarterback. But I think this will be an interesting one to talk through because there's a number of names here I've highlighted for both positives and negatives. We have like Sam Howell, who was on the other roster, and will be a factor, like you mentioned, with Mac Jones across a number of the dynasty rosters for players who we would have been adding to our rosters ourselves in 2023. With Sam Laporta on the other side, who is obviously continued to gain value, Devin Achan, Bijan Robinson, this one, Kyle Pitts on the kind of maybe not a, on, exactly on the Sam Howell, but it has been a a tough run for Kyle Pitts managers and then you have Dotson who failed to impress in this season but you have Williams who came on a little bit stronger there towards the end of the Lions season you have Traylon Burks who there was some flashes but is struggling to stay healthy and get opportunities and then he also mentions a player like Deshaun Watson a veteran player who will talk about would you target would you not based on on his potential question so there's lots of ways to look through this but he said he feels pretty good about the starting lineup except for the fact that Sam Howell is more or likely being replaced by a rookie quarterback this year. He has the 108 and all his 2024 and 2025 picks, but there's no additional picks right now. He feels very lucky to have hit on Sam Laporta, Achan, via his draft last year, where he also had the 101 and selected Bijan Robinson. So in terms of rookie drafts, Sean, last year, 
two stud running backs one stud tight end he's sitting pretty good from that particular draft i'm curious as to what you think where his roster is now and what to do with a true quarterback to for this team sitting with his 108 this year he said he's thinking about trading kyle pitts and maybe the 108 to move up and get a quarterback in the draft this year he doesn't know what to do with wide receivers after jordan addison it's pretty much filled with young players with some as he calls them big bus candidates like dotson williams and Traylon burks and another possibility that he's mentioned like i said was deshaun watson that owner trading out with him to try and get a deal done maybe involving potentially kyle pitts i i'll start off sean there's certain players that i don't want to have in my roster and uh we've seen joe flacco come in and elevate this team we have not seen that with deshaun watson i think there's a lot of things that can be said that won't be said on this show but i, I feel like the talent that we've seen in houston is not going to get truly shown here in cleveland um so he's somebody i wouldn't be targeting but if we just talk about the profile of a quarterback who has had high upside in the past and then is now a veteran who has declined in play i think there's a lot of you know personally i would much rather be going like the the last team and, and going for a daniel jones rather than a deshaun watson who i, I think would probably be easier to acquire too he says to finish it off would love any advice or comments that we would have that one coming from jd so sean i think maybe a way we can talk about the team but also some of those players i don't think we need to talk about laporta or hm but maybe some of the players like a, a howell and then the the dotson williams burks because they're all players who are still very early in their nfl career and talked about in the last team for example the geno smith trade there's a lot of players could be a sam howell story where the the either he might continue to be the quarterback in washington this year if he is in there with a rookie we don't see rookies start all the time but it's much more common now obviously but you also get you know if he changes team in a better situation how that changes what his value is in that opportunity and then the likes of a dotson who didn't do what we hoped this year but williams is somebody who is really rehabbing his image over the last six or eight weeks and then bork so i guess the thing with those guys is if you got to move them now it may be the right time because their value may never be higher than it is now it might continue to decline but it really feels like you're cashing out maybe at a at a low point where holding on to these guys as we get back closer to the season and maybe even holding them through this season might, might be the way to play some of those i'm interested in your thoughts on on those guys yeah this is such an interesting roster because in contrast to the previous one as you mentioned i mean this might be a team where you hold and the first element to address when you're looking at that QB2 is simply whether this league is one where quarterbacks are supercharged or where quarterbacks are mitigated. Because if you're looking at leagues where the QBs don't necessarily separate from those top running backs and wide receivers, then this roster is powerful enough, at least before injuries. And that's kind of the other fly in the enlightenment is we know some of the guys are going to get hurt. So the starting lineup that you fill in right now is going to get thinner. But you can address that super flex spot with a position player, and that's better than cannibalizing your roster for a QB2 who is a short-term solution. So that's kind of the first question is whether or not you have to play a quarterback in the super flex or not. Is it basically a de facto two QB league or is it a super flex league where you can play their guys in the super flex? The second question then or the second determination would be how can we address that QB2 inexpensively? And so 
one of the rosters that this team sort of brought to mind for me was the team that Pat Crane and I have in the Triflex. And we ended up doing the 1250 league, which was fun because when you win the 1250 league, it is a lot of money. I mean, the entry is a lot of money. So <laughs> you've got to pay that to start with. But we were fortunate enough to do that. And it's a team that has a, a lot of sort of these similar guys, a team with Garrett Wilson, a team with Brees Hall, a, a team with Rasheed Rice, not player isn't on this particular team but a team with a lot of starting lineup firepower and then instead of lamar jackson it has josh allen obviously allen a great way to start on these type of rosters but i do think that our qb roster after that was interesting in that we had three guys and they fit kind of three different niches or profiles and then we had daniel jones who's kind of that questionable reality player but a hybrid qb who in super flex leagues especially in some of these leagues where the passing quarterbacks are knocked down which is something you do see in super flex scoring a lot then the rushing qbs become even more valuable he kind of fits in there as the qb2 but he gets hurt so do you have the depth behind that well the next guy in there is jared goff who's sort of a reclamation project and one of the things that you see is the jared goff was a massive key for us in 2023 with how he continued to develop with the lions and then the fourth guy is sam Howell, who i mean it's easy to forget now that he is out of fashion but Howell was leading the nfl in passing yards for a huge chunk of the season and carried us for a big part of this campaign having the four guys having the options means that you can withstand the injury you can withstand having some players in that 20 to say 35 range the qb 20 to qb 35 where those guys are at risk of a benching which obviously we did get with howell as well the first thing that i would do with a roster like this is try and go out and get the jared goff type of profile and so the guys i'm thinking of there are players like Derek carr and baker mayfield who are always out of fashion in fantasy and they're out of fashion for a reason right they're not top 15 quarterbacks but there are things that they do well there are weapons that they're surrounded by and you know for example with the car situation even with losing a lot of those high value touches to a Taysom hill for example you have the dome you have the nfc south it's not necessarily a long-term thesis that you're looking at but when you're trying to get across this qb2 spot for a season or a couple of seasons and you think about mayfield already kind of being in that situation like a a goff where he's bounced back and now could be the guy for a while I mean, he could also be kind of the geno smith where you're not really buying high but you're buying the idea that he'll be a starter and then the guy becomes you know a, a pretty fragile starter as well geno smith a guy who would be interesting for this roster daniel jones a guy who would be interesting for this roster those same types of names the players where the cost to acquire is going to be doable right so i would look at that part of it and then column this roster is such a great example of how much you can do with one draft and how if you are a championship caliber team and a perpetually reloading type of team you're not necessarily stuck just because you get a pick in that 111 112 range right you're not necessarily stuck if you're trading for second round picks it's one of the reasons why in superflex you're hammering on those second round picks the 202 in the previous scenario on Matt's team could end up being the pick that makes the difference as opposed to those early first round picks that feel like they're so important right now. 
you look at this particular team, Zay Flowers was in that 111 to 201 in most super flex drafts last year. Sam Laporta was in that 201 to 206 range in most drafts. Achan, maybe a little bit tighter range in that, say, 202 to 204 range. But you're talking about guys who are at the end of the first round, first half of the second round, and now are foundation pieces. They're not just playable, and they're foundation pieces. To have gotten Flowers and Addison and Achan and Laporta all in this draft to go with the 101, which was Bijan Robinson, I mean, you've set the stage now for long term dominance just with the two drafts because the previous draft brings you Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, right? So you absolutely love this team and where it's at. And that brings us around to this final consideration of what do you do with some of these guys who have lost value? I think when you have the four young starters at wide receiver, when you have Wilson and Smith and Flowers and Addison, you can be a little bit more patient with Dotson and Williams and Burks. You can hope that a Marvin Mims takes the next step. With Dawson Williams and Burks, I think we're back to that same kind of question where you're being flexible with the other members of your league. And if someone wants to not even necessarily overpay, but wants to pay that full value on the breakout upside, then I think you make the move and you kind of go in a different direction in part because, I mean, people who have Dotson and Williams and Burks, it's probably not the only team where they have them, right? So you're going to lighten that load a little bit where possible. But I do think that with Burks, you want to see what the Titans are going to do big picture because this is a franchise that over the last couple of seasons fired their GM and fired their head coach despite the relative success that those guys had had in part because they want to move to a different style of team. And certainly I think they're going to want to fix QB. Now, whether fixing QB means trying to unlock Will Levis, which there's nothing about his playing career that would suggest that that's likely. It's possible because he's a competitor and he's an athlete. As we talked about one of the shows this fall when he had demonstrated those two characteristics in a big way in an exciting game. But if they end up with a different type of QB, I mean, Burks has had to play with guys who can't really play the last couple of seasons. Now, his production has been so low that he's almost certainly a bust. So you shouldn't be counting on a bounce back, but also, I mean, his value to sell very, very low. With Dotson, I think one of the things you're trying to figure out is, was the problem the enemy and how? You're expecting the offensive coordinator to make changes. You're expecting the rookie QB to come in and have a different profile in terms of reading the field and unlocking guys one of the things that was just you know so bizarre and frustrating about watching the seahawks this year was that anytime that drew lock would go on the field he would immediately throw down to jsn and you're like well i mean drew lock has no accuracy so it doesn't actually matter but a different qb sees him as being open whereas gino would never even go in that direction we could get that with dotson who i mean had a terrible terrible second season crushed his value and with Dotson, then you go back to the profile, which looked overdrafted originally, and then he has a strong rookie season, and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe the commanders were right. Now it looks like that was a big overdraft again. But because the changes in the organization are going to be so dramatic, if you don't get a price that does anything for you, you might as well keep the flexibility of getting to see. Right. Is he going to be a lot less expensive six months from now than he is now? I mean, probably not because he already isn't worth very much. And then Jamison Williams with some of the scores that he had late in the season. 
I think there's a huge potential range for him in the future. And so Williams is definitely a guy where if there are managers out there who look at those scores and say, yeah, I'm still willing to pay based on him being a first round draft pick who was an absolute superstar at Alabama and the lions are going to score. He's going to be a part of that. Make the move off of him because then you eliminate the risk. If you don't find that, hold on. You want to get the reward if the managers in your league, the potential reward. You want the flexibility, the optionality of having that if he hits, if someone isn't going to just pay you as though it's already happening. I think that's fantastic advice. And, uh, you know, it's always that case if you get the price, but always be wary of cashing out on these players that hard, especially when we have seen flashes. And I know Devontae Adams is a unicorn, Sean, but, you know, people cashed out there and, and always regretted it as well at that particular point and that, that's unlikely to be a common occurrence over these players there's just gonna be people who you know disappoint and fail towards the end of their nfl career and don't return value but yeah i think it's gonna be interesting thanks again to jd for sending in that question question earlier from matt if you have any questions like that or any topics you'd like to hear us discuss throughout the off season send them our way you can email them across at rotorvisradio at gmail.com you can send them to me on twitter at overtime ireland that is going to bring us to the end of today's episode my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast